Hello and welcome along to the Family and Friends podcast. My name is Maxi. I'm one of the producers here at Family Creative and this is our new weekly podcast. Each week we plan to introduce you to some of the guys that we work with quite regularly and some people that we haven't even worked with at all yet. Our guest this week is creative director Daisy Dean. We had a great chat about her beginnings um, in the industry. Uh, she joined exceptionally young, you know, when she was sort of 16. Great to hear about, you know, growing up in Peckham uh, and how that kind of culture influenced her. She gives us some great advice on uh, how to stay sane during lockdown, uh, which I think, you know, most people could probably use at the moment. I hope you enjoy this episode of Family and Friends with creative director Daisy Dean. Daisy Dean, thank you so much for joining us on Family and Friends. What is, what's been going on, mate? How's, how's your last few weeks been? Lockdown number three. Um, it's been interesting. I've got a puppy. Oh, yeah? So my brain has turned to puppy mush. Um, <laughs> but it's a better position to be in than to not have a puppy. Of course. Um, now's definitely the time for pets, I'd say. I'm yeah. kind of missing not having one. I've yeah. Got, yeah. I live on my own as well. So okay. last lockdown was really challenging yeah, yeah. and really hard work. Um, definitely the hardest thing I've ever done. So this one, I think, is going to be easier. You're quite a social person. Yeah. Like, yeah. I moved in on my own because I was like, I'm out five nights a week. doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm like, oh, that's so funny. It's not really aged. Yeah. Oh, man, that's tough. But, um, yeah, it's been good. I've just been trying to work out, like, what's going on with the industry and, like, what sure. feels right to do and what feels necessary and how to navigate around it until we're kind of out of it, I guess. Well, this is our third time around the merry-go-round, as it were, in yeah. terms of like, a national lockdown. What, um, talk to me about like your first one and how was that? You just said it was the hardest thing it's you've ever had to do. It's literally the hardest, hardest thing I've ever done, period. Well, this is interesting because some people I've spoken to, they've said it's actually been really nice to take it easy, just have a bit of a... I think that sort of things, in retrospect now, I can be like, was needed. Mm-hmm. Um, mentally, like personally like emotionally was the hardest thing I've ever had to do because I've been go since I was 13 Mm. I've been doing this since I was 16 and I hadn't ever forced myself to stop longer than two weeks in 10 years so like that was like okay here are your demons here's the stuff you gotta face (laughs) (laughs) wake up and smell the coffee so this is the first time you hadn't been busy yeah the first time and I think in retrospect was really great and I'm really I was really lucky, don't get me wrong. I still had, like, nuggets of work to do that kept me sane. Mm -hmm. But um, spending, like, three months alone not hugging someone does fucking weird things to a human. Did you not manage to, like, see any family or...? (laughs) No, um, my mum lives up north. So, and she got... She was high risk and she got COVID at the beginning when it was really scary. So it started off pretty like, bang, this is the worst time of your life. (laughs) But um, it was fine. She was fine in the end. But that was hard being away from my family. I had one of my close mates live around the corner. So I'd go and like talk to her over her garden fence. And like that probably (laughs) saved me. (laughs) And did like, you know, distance walks. But... But yeah, it was... So in comparison, this one's like a walk in the park. What's changed for you? Um, Knowing that you... It was just the unknown, wasn't it? Like, even though this is still unknown, it's knowing that you can do that. Like, nothing will ever be that hard. Yeah. Because... I've done it. I know that I can survive it. I've got my toolkit of survival skills, you know. Amazing. So, 
yeah, but it was, but it again, it was it was great. I learned a lot about myself. I came out stronger. I was a lot more focused. I appreciated work a lot more. Mm-hmm. I, I figured out a work-life balance, which I think a lot of creators <laughs> have done. So now I realise that like I don't need to spend seven days a week working. What would be your, your top advice for helping to stay sane during a lockdown? Um, try to take each day as it comes and not like get into your head about thinking mm-hmm. about like how long you might be there. And try, it says, it sounds really easy, but like, trying to work out what give you small bits of joy and then doing that and, and recognising it. Mm-hmm. So, like, just a couple... And not overwhelming yourself with, like, huge to-do lists and stuff. Like, just a thing a day that will make you feel better. Try and do it. Um, and just literally take a day at a time because you start to get super anxious if you think, God, am I going to be here for three months? Like, you just... No, you don't know. Yeah. Where did you grow up? Where did you go to school? Okay. Uh, what kind of kid were you growing up? Peckham, born and raised. Okay. South East London, represent. Yeah. Um, but I moved to Newcastle when I was nine. All right. Yeah. So I say Peckham via Newcastle is my upbringing, <laughs> which is quite a unique mix. How long were you there for? Um, I lived there until I moved out at 17. Right. So um, London in the 90s and the early noughties massively had an effect on my inspo and like my mum was really young and she was an arty hippie and like pretty liberal yeah so like we were really close in age so she influenced everything that I do yeah my love for sneakers came from her yeah yeah yeah. one of my earliest memories has been sat in a pram in Foot Locker in Brixton and she was buying the like OG AM 95s (laughs) and like to this day they are my most favourite trainer because I can remember her and they were like that was a big deal like we were skin growing up so she'd saved for those um so yeah via Peckham via Newcastle um and then my dad's side was like uh, like <laughs> a bit of a raver so I did lots of traveling so like that sort of scene influenced me as well okay nice yeah what was um what was it growing like growing up like in Newcastle what's going on there Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was lovely, a bit of a culture shock for you. Yeah, massive culture shock. Did your like, lifestyle change as well? Yeah, or? it was a decision that was like based on my upbringing because like Peckham in the ni- late nineties, early nineties was no joke. Like it isn't what it is now, and I does I don't come from money, and I wasn't academically really smart. Like I'm mm-hmm. not stupid. So my mum was just like, you know do I take this opportunity to maybe try and give her a better life, you know? And my mum's mum lived up north, so she would have support. Yes, And Or do I just risk it and, like, I could have ended up in a really different place? Mm. I might not have been, I might not have done, but I could have ended up in a different crowd. So um, it was a culture shock. There was a serious lack of culture in Newcastle. There's nothing going on. There's nothing going on. It's very white. Like, it's very... I mean, going from Peckham to Newcastle must have been mad. Yeah, I was like, I, I didn't. Yeah, it was, mm. it was weird. Um, mm. I people thought I was posh because I had this southern accent, but like it was, <laughs> I was, I sounded like Del Boy as a baby. Like sometimes my mum didn't understand what I was saying, so it's softened out now. But 
I was like, oh, you have no idea. <laughs> but um, it was good, you know. I had a good education. I made okay. I made some amazing friends, and nice. I spent time with my family. So, and I knew I got to know what the countryside was, you know. I think that's probably yeah, all those things that are super like vitally important actually. Yeah. Like even spending time with your family, like it's only as an adult you sometimes realise yeah. it. Like yeah. I look back when I was a kid now, and my dad used to work shift patterns, and my mum had a normal nine to five. Yeah. But during the summer holidays, we'd be left alone, like all day because yeah. my dad would be either at work or asleep yeah. and we didn't really get to spend much time as a family ever mm. it's know. important yeah. me and my grandma have a really close well my, my grandma and my granddad I was so close with them mm. growing up um, and we have a my granddad isn't here anymore but me and my grandma are super close and that because of that I don't think it would have been the case no. um, but you know it was once I sort of I started to, I wasn't great at I didn't love school. I started to outgrow it and I, and I was yearning for London as soon as I was coming back here to work. So I kind of got out when I could. Mm. But, every, yeah, I think it was all for the right reasons. But, it, yeah. yeah, it was definitely a shock. But I'm back in Peckham now and, and that's a really nice nostalgic feeling and I love it. And yeah, I, yeah. I live, breathe, eat Peckham. <laughs> but I think because I pulled away from it, you know. Yeah, yeah. So now like, you come back to it and yeah. really appreciate it. Yeah, exactly. You're not just kind of used to, just super used to it, like desensitised to it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess that sort of influenced everything a bit. Yeah. What, uh, at what age did you start developing, like leaning into a more creative direction? Like I am, um, my mom was always creative. Yeah, like she she was like a hippie making like funny jewelry when I was a baby. Sick. And then when when I went to school, she went to do a photography course at Camberwell Art College. Oh, nice. So I was always around like creative stuff. Um, and my mom had a subscription to Vogue, I think, when I was a teenager. And I would read it front to back and I would read like everything even in the in the margins. Mm. And then I realised I like asked my mum, Oh mum, what's a stylist? And my mum explained to me what it was because she knew because she was, you know, doing yeah. photography in London. Um oh, right. And I was like, that sounds cool. And at 13 <laughs> I was like, I wanna be a stylist because I've always been obsessed with fashion and everything that comes with it. And then like at 14, my mom bought me this, the only book that there was on styling. And I was like, that's what I'm gonna do. And like by 16, I did it. Wow. Yeah. So what? like, I guess, yeah, 13 is when I realized. What made you attach these kind of uh, ideas of ambition to styling in particular? What did you see in the magazines that thought I'd be good at that? I don't know, I just thought like, you don't realise, do you? I mean, maybe generations do now, but at the time when you look at a picture in a magazine, you didn't, I didn't realise the whole team effort behind it. And then I just thought of, like, being involved in making this beautiful imagery. Like, everything in Vogue was just gorgeous. And then I was always obsessed with, like, the runways and, mm-hmm. and the fashion shows. And then you're like, wait, but it's not just... A dress. It's a dress of shoes and a bag and a jewellery and, and the way it fits and oh my god. And then I've always been interested in dressing myself and yeah. you know, I my mum was like go to work to earn money. I didn't get like pocket money and every and at thirteen I was like a sweeping girl in the 
hairdressers and like every week I'd go to Primark and I'd buy new clothes to put outfits together and I guess it just kind of I thought I was maybe gonna be okay with it you don't know until you do it do you I could have I could have done my first shoot and been like god I am shit (laughs) fuck that but like I just happened to be alright at it what was your very first shoot you said uh, how old were you 16 that's super young to be like yeah. oh, shit. how did you how did you get the job uh, and what was it how did it all go um <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit of a funny one it's a you know um I got the job because my dad had actually been listening to what I'd been banging on about okay. what I wanted to do my dad had always lived in London so I was always coming back down well Brian coming back down south to see him um and he was a tree surgeon and he was doing someone's trees in London mm-hmm. and he got chatting and it happened to be a really insane stylist. No way. She used to like literally be the editor of um, Vogue, like she'd done Victoria's Secrets, like insane <laughs> stylist. Yeah, I mean, that is just luck. That is really that is luck. A hookup. And he, she got on well with my dad and I literally got on a train and shadowed, so second assisted her shoot and I walked onto the shoot and she just told me a dress like turn up and um, I stayed with my mum's friends in London and I remember to this day the outfit I wore like I'd gone to River Island and my mum's like okay we'll go to River Island this time and like I bought like the combat boots that like Cheryl Cole was wearing at the time and I had like combat (laughs) pants and I was I thought I was the dog's bollocks Um, and I was like yeah, and I turned up and the shoot I was shadowing was, like, the Sainsbury's Christmas campaign. Mm-hmm. And it was Sainsbury's Christmas in July. But, like, Sainsbury's in, like... God, I can't even think what year it was. Like, 10 years ago. 2011 was, like, big budget. So, like, we're in some mad townhouse, literally on the corner of Hyde Park, that they turned into Winter Wonderland. What? And, like, there was just... And, like, the photographer was a huge photographer. And, like, we got on really well. And he played a massive part in me, develop, me developing my career as well. Interesting. And, like... Um, and then in the evening of the shoot, you know when like you do a massive shoot and the client's paying for it, yeah. They, the photographer and the stylist obviously work together all the time. Uh-huh. They were like, oh, we're doing a personal project too, so they stayed in their location because they wrapped early right. and they did a Chanel ma- magazine special with this in, like incredible actress. And they were what? like, do you want to stay? And I was like, I just learned what a steamer was. And then they were like, will you steam this like lace dress? And I'm like, through shit. But yeah, so. And she was great, and I, it, I like worked my ass off, and and she got me on more stuff, and then eventually I mm. became the first assistant. Yeah. And she got me on more jobs, and then me and the photographer got on really well, and then I just was so keen and so like I'll do anything working for free, like please just can mm. I do anything? And he was like, well, why don't you come onto one of my shoots? It's not with Caroline, the stylist, but you can just help me. And, like, I, again, I think I, like, outshone the assistants on those shoots really? and just continued to, like... What do you think gave you the, sort of, the, the edge over other assistants, I would literally maybe? do anything. Like, I didn't think about roles in terms of, like, the shoot. Like, when Nick, the photographer, was oh, yeah. like, I need my stool, and one of his light assistants was up changing the light and the other one was the digi-op I would be like within two seconds the stool would be under his bum so it's been super like, tentative like literally yeah. he, like someone would say something and I'd 
sprint to do it the tea would be made within like the right amount of time but like three minutes <laughs> you know I was just I would do anything I turned yeah. up on time I stayed late I didn't tell anyone that I lived in Newcastle and then eventually Nick was like wait you got up at 4am this morning to get here for 9 because yeah. I would go from sometimes if it was that last minute what I would like call what, so you'd I'd tell get, like the first train in the morning yeah so like as it continued if I got given an opportunity there's no way I wasn't doing it so the jobs I was doing in Newcastle I would be like I'm sorry I need to I need to take a rain check on tonight's shift mum was great sometimes she'd lend me the cash or if I had the cash saved we'd book the train ticket and I'd be like yeah I'll be there tomorrow they didn't know that I didn't live in London and I'd get the 4am train with the bankers <laughs> and I'd be on set by nine and then I'd get the train home at night or sometimes I'd stay with my mum's friends in stay London mates, yeah sure yeah Whoa. yeah so like that's I think wild. the once they realised that they were like yeah. oh my god this girl is eager and, and I'm the same like I want to continue to give them opportunities because I can see the fight and the fire and yeah, it yeah. doesn't come around and often. And it's not, you're not going to give them any opportunity that they're going to waste. No, and I like, obviously once you've done assisting for a while, like, you get some new whippersnapper that's desperate to do stuff, they do outshine because sometimes, as a fashion assistant, six years in, you're like, oh God, another suitcase down. up the stairs yeah, yeah, or whatever, yeah. you know. So it makes sense. No, of course. Um, so, yeah, I guess... Mm. I guess that's how I started. I was very lucky. <laughs> yeah. How did your... Because um, you, we talk about having a look through magazines and seeing styling and seeing credits. And how did the idea of being a stylist change from the theory into the actual practice? Like, how did you... Because it's weird how things change in your mind, isn't it? Yeah. The way even... You get it with, like, some places that you stayed. I'm going to go on holiday. You walk into an apartment for the first time and it's all alien. Mm. When you leave five days later, it feels like your living room. Mm. Like, how did styling change for you over the first couple of years, maybe? Or even the first few months? Like, when was the biggest change? Um, well, I guess, like, just as soon as... The first... The, I didn't really know what to expect. Yeah. Um, it isn't all just playing with pretty clothes and making beautiful shoots. So, um, <laughs> yeah, the first couple of years, I started to realise how much hard labour it was and how much that to make something work mm. or to be to get repeat work that you were a yes man. So, like, there isn't one of my craziest stories is I did a shoot assisting a stylist. And at the time we were in like a forest in the Cotswolds somewhere and they wanted wasabi peas. <laughs> and like I went to the get them wasabi peas, you know? Like how long did that take? It took, it took a couple of hours. But... <laughs> you just get one of them small pots as well. Yeah, from M and S, yeah. I found a, I found a garage with an M and S. My luck on that day was like next level. But oh, mate. so like you just realise that actually it's it's lugging stuff, it's be, it's physical, it's taxing, it's returning in the rain, it's getting up at five AM, going to bed at two, doing yeah. the same again if it's a big shoot or mm -hmm. Or that it's sitting in a fashion cupboard with no daylight, bagging returns, but you're still touching couture, so you're like, okay. Yeah. Or you know, you if you, I I guess I just had like this, this yeah, charm. Kind of, yeah. So like I eventually, you know, the intern would be like, do you want to help me do the carne? And I'd be like, oh my god, I get to step outside the cupboard. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this weighs a hundred grams, and so like I don't it's. 
I, I, was, I so quickly realised, but if you're okay with... You realise kind of on your first shoot that it's not all crap... It cracked up to be it's essentially not all the, the, the good bits. I think it's not all the glitz and glam, on, but it will yeah. get there. Yeah. And it and the reward. I remember the, seeing that first Sainsbury shoot mm-hmm. in like Heat magazine, yeah. like a double page spread or something. Yeah, yeah. And see, and then it, I didn't realize it was like out of home. It was huge, so I was seeing billboards. And I was sixteen and walking down the street, seeing something I'd worked on, and that was that was it. I was like, that reward is worth everything. That's mad. Like yeah. that's insane. And yeah. so you soon. I soon realised how hard work it was going to be, but I was addicted. So. Absolutely. It's interesting that you talk about, yeah, seeing your work in that environment. Because I think a lot of people that maybe went to university, by the time they've left uni, mm. they've kind of helped out or, or ran for a couple of years. Mm. By the time you actually get that moment, mm. I'd say most people are probably late 20s yeah. to late 20s. Whereas you got to see it, you yeah. know, how old were you when you got to see it up on a board? 16 yeah Mate, I mean that was insane my That's first mad. shoot was, in, it was an insanely lucky one to be yeah, on yeah. but if I wasn't any good yeah. I wouldn't have prevailed well this is it you made the most of the opportunity yeah that's where the difference comes and yeah because it's, it's utilising that opportunity to then afford yourself mm. other people would have just shown up yeah. Hung, hung around had a fun time yeah and it didn't always continue like as I soon that was like freelance assisting that was my mm-hmm. first thing but then I realised you could intern at magazines so yeah, yeah. and that's how my career progressed but like it took I would email Cosmo Glamour every single I would go into the, look into the magazines I'd work out their email by the format of their like get in touch email yeah, 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 yeah. and I'd wait until I didn't get a bounce back and I'd email every fashion editor every fashion assistant what? of every magazine every week from my sixth form library until one of them said yeah you can come and work for free for a month like I was begging to work for free so you knew from such a young age exactly what you wanted to do yeah very lucky yeah, well, I mean, that's got to be a huge advantage. Yeah. So I, I had no idea what I wanted to do, for, I don't know, for quite a long time. Yeah. I know I want to work in this sector now. Yeah. Whether or not I'll stay as a producer. Yeah. I don't know, because I do quite enjoy getting like hands-on stuff. I operate myself, mm. I edit myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I sometimes write things. So I think there's things I still want to try within, yeah. within the world. But I mean, yeah, to have that is... It's definitely a massive advantage. Yeah, for just, so yeah. lucky. That was awesome. Yeah, I don't like. I've always said that I, I'm so. I was so lucky. I knew what I wanted to do. Yeah. And I managed to work out a way to do it. Um, that was so many of my friends still now. Mm-hmm. You know, don't necessarily know that what no. they're doing is what they want to be doing or what. I for years and years, my mates didn't know what they wanted to do, and they were at uni, and then they were like, "What am I doing now?" <laughs> I'm lucky I worked out that you didn't need to go to uni and that yeah, work yeah. was more was was a better currency like experience but like even even then yeah that I was very lucky mm-hmm. and I don't take that for granted for sure like it's helped me into being where I am now nice. but yeah was um so for, that's your first job at 16 what are the next like few years like I kind of did like a f- um, two years while I was in A levels. Mm-hmm. I would do like loads of work between Newcastle and London. So like sometimes I do like two weeks at A. I dropped a few A levels. Yeah. I do two weeks at school in Newcastle. Then I do like a week assisting in London or two weeks interning or a month. And okay. I just balance work in Newcastle, work in London, 
work in Newcastle to fund work in London and school. <laughs> My mum was so cool. She's so right on. We went into the school and we're like, because this secondary school in Newcastle, we're like, what the fuck are you going to do? Like playing with people's hair in London. Like, come on, come and do your A-levels. Yeah. And my mum came in with me and was like, listen, this is what she needs to be doing. Wow. Um, I support her. She's not going to uni. Because at that time it was all UCAS points and I wasn't doing anything to get UCAS points because I didn't want to go to uni. Yeah. And I was the only person my entire year no. that like did, they didn't do it. Like obviously You've some people didn't go. Not, not up for it. Like, yeah. yeah. Like wow. obviously a lot of people didn't go to uni. But like at that point, if you're doing in sixth form, you're in sixth form to go and do something. To go to university you've all, usually. You've left yeah. school if you don't give a fuck at that point. So like I was the only person that wasn't doing it. So I didn't go to all the uni like brunches or whatever or like assemblies and stuff. And my mum was like, Daisy wants to do this. She's on the right path. Please, mm. can you allow her? to can you not say that her attendance is really bad yeah. and like penalize her she needs to can you are you okay to work with us on this and keep her in school she's still going to do those two a levels what did they say and they were like mm, okay they were like <laughs> three gritted teeth but my mum was there my mum's feisty powerful she doesn't take no woman that's good so, and then my textiles teacher at the time, I did textiles A-level, she mm. was like, oh my days. She was just like totally in awe. So we became like best friends and she mentored me a bit and she was like really on my side with the school. Um, so I did that for like two years and then I'd been working at More Magazine, okay. which was like a girls' bi-weekly magazine. All right, what was in that? Do you remember, I don't know if you're, you like knowing maybe because you're a guy, but do you remember <laughs> Position of the Week? Which was Barbies doing sex positions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was from More Magazine. <laughs> <laughs> That's what made us famous. We were like the naughty Cosmo of the weekly mags. Okay. So I ended up um, interning there. Yeah. And I came at a time where, like, the magazines were getting smaller. They weren't selling as much. So this huge team of 12 was going... They made everyone redundant. I was there on the day. It was peak. Whoa. Yeah, it was really intense to be there. It was work experience while that was oh. going on. <laughs> yeah, I was work experience. Like, oh, let me put this boohoo return in the post. And, um, and then they were like, you, you don't get a job. You don't get a job. You go oh. home. It was insane. I shouldn't laugh because it happened to me like two years later. But, um, yeah, so then they made this massive team down to three and it was going to be fashion director stylists and assistant and I'd been like working my butt off work experience yeah and this big team the the people the team that was staying I'd become really close with okay. and they basically offered me the assistant job which was really? intern so it was like intern but I was writing like three four pages a week Sick. I was managing the work experience I was styling like x-factor shoots and stuff um so then I three days after my last exam I moved to London what yeah and my mum I moved to London like when I was probably six months before I did my last exam like my mum moved me down into yeah. my, her friend's basement flat um because I was there so much, but then the proper big move. Right, when you got your own place. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, wow that's amazing. Yeah, so magazines were like a dying mm. industry at that point, which was sad, but I still love them. What was the last one you worked at? 
Um, FHM. Okay, what, what's the story I of FHM? Was, <laughs> it's part of the same magazine group as Moore. Okay. So it was like her, Hearst magazine. No, wait, was it Hearst? No, sorry, Bauer. It was Bauer. Okay. So they had like Grazia, Heat, Closer, da da da. Um, and FHM was on the floor below Moore, and you get to know the magazines in there. Um, and I was doing men's a lot of men's shoots at more mm. like for like X Factor contestants and stuff, and yeah. I really liked it. And I was always wearing trainers and streetwear and dressing a bit like a boy. And um, so then the fashion director there gave me when more folded he gave me like a regular freelance gig once a month to come in nice. and I did their newsletter yeah um so I was like writing their newsletter styling their like still pages and then after like a year or so of doing that and mm. doing a bit more freelance for them while I was freelancing doing other random stuff um he was leaving the fashion director of FHM and he kind of trained me up and she wow. horned me in to his, be his replacement, what? which was amazing. That's so, so good. I was like 21 and became a fashion director of FHM. You a very sort of memorable impression on a lot of these people that you sort of meet and work with. Yeah, no, for sure. It seems like they they really value you and offer you quite a, you know, good opportunities and stuff. Yeah, but I guess like I try and be nice and polite to everyone. Mm-hmm. I'm not boring. Like yeah, yeah. I've got a kick to me. Yeah. I've got an opinion that yeah. I would often share <laughs> if I was asked. Um, you know, like things like that when they go, "What do you think?" and I'm like, "Do you really want to know?" Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, this is what I think, yeah. and I think they valued that. Um, and I worked really hard, and like I just wanted to grind my way to the top. I wasn't like money grabbing or like. You know, yeah. I was there for the right reasons. You're there to work hard, and I guess I was part of that like younger generation at that time that mm. like Can't I now see, and I'm like, you're the new wave. <laughs> yeah, like I want to be a part of your journey. Yeah, show me how to use the apps. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, what does Instagram do again? Um, so yeah, I guess maybe that's why. But yeah, um, it was amazing. FHM was definitely like. Oh, so I was fashion director doing menswear. I wasn't doing like the booby shoots. Um, mm-hmm. Booby shoots, <laughs> yeah. which people always think like, oh, they have a fashion director. Uh, well, yeah, whenever I think of FHM, I just think of like lads, lads, lads. Um, yeah. Was it like that or no? Not the really? team was like, like the team have gone on to do amazing things. Yeah. Like um, the Joe Makatic went on to be the editor of shortlist and now he's the editor of timeout wow. like they one guy's at the independent another guy works for north face like we're a pretty cool bunch and that's what i loved about it we were like this young family that yeah like all you can imagine did go on like we went mental <laughs> but it was like so much fun and and the editor before the one that came in when we folded he was really up for trying new things and wanting to be different and really trying to appeal to this new market while keeping the old market engaged mm. which kind of didn't work we just we were making a magazine for people that weren't reading us we were trying to make a magazine for like Esquire and shortlist readers and they weren't picking us up which is why we didn't fold but yeah. the content we made in those last like two years was insane and like some of my biggest shoots to date are still from that because we worked so hard at like merging all these like all these different cultures mm. Um, which is now what kind of people are doing, but FHM wasn't known for that at the time, which is why it didn't work. But um, it was but definitely a huge part. It's still a huge part of me. Like, I learned so much. I learned on the job, Mm. insane responsibilities for a (laughs) 21-year-old. 
Um, like what? I learned uh, so much about streetwear and sportswear and that football, and which is what what I do every day now. What kind of stuff did you, did they have you doing at FHM? Well, I kind of like so I pitch. I did a fashion supplement, mm-hmm. so you know, like a GQ style kind of thing. Yeah, we yeah. did it twice a year. Okay. So I creative directed and and wrote and commissioned and styled with with a girl as well. But we got um, fifty cent That's basically wow. on the cover, and I styled fifty cent yeah. in like thirty minutes in his hotel room just after the bankruptcy scandal. Whoa. So that was insane, and that still like a pinch me even <sighs> happened. <laughs> In terms of my big break, that was the Air Max day was like, I couldn't quite believe it was happening kind of thing. Talk us through the day, what was going on? So they did this thing for Air Max day where it was like five stylists from five cities around the world uh-huh. get an Air Max and you have to style yourself and an Olympian in your hometown style. What? Yeah, I know. I'm like, what? <laughs> so they asked me to be London. Yeah. I'm like, still, I don't understand why. Um, so I got, so yeah, you got to see loads of the new styles like a year before they came out. And then there's two American Olympians that we styled like five looks on mm-hmm. and they were like five different shoes and they had to be like what you thought were London. Um so I styled two amazing Olympians in like these looks and then you styled yourself in mm. like loads of looks as well and so like I was part of the shoot sick yeah um, and so were they and it was just insane the whole day it was like mad um, and that was probably like the biggest break breaking through mm. moment of like oh my god I'm a stylist in London doing a London street style that people give a fuck about for some reason <laughs> you know like why does anyone care but they do yeah. um, and that was pretty insane that was the beginning of my relationship with Nike um, and as I said earlier they had been in my life since I can remember and I just couldn't believe it like I literally live breathe and eat their trainers so you said it was like your dream job yeah um and that was such a special day for you, you yeah know, you're, you're doing what you love with a brand you love and you know people are going to see it yeah how did you then use that was that your first nike job i think it yeah. i think it was close to that time it was definitely around that time yeah, yeah. So how did you kind of capitalize on that like i just like made a connection with the brands and like after like when we did this thing where they sat us around a table and I was lucky they did it in London the shoot but there was people from all had come from like Korea and stuff to do the shoot so like I was like that was my first speaking language and they were talking in English about these shoots so like I definitely benefited in that situation but like they sat us down and showed us all the styles for the next year and some were totally like off limits like it was the Vapormax before the Vapormax got launched so I remember being shown that and they were like what do you think and I was (laughs) like honestly and I was like I don't like it and I and I those weird the bubble ones oh yeah 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 yeah. and like when you wear a pair your foot kind of well depends how wide your feet are but they kind of go off the edge a bit yeah Yeah. yeah. and at the time I was like raw what are those (laughs) they look like awful space shoes and they show me this like jank like light grey colour and I was like 
nah don't like them <laughs> and I think they were kind of like I appreciate your honesty obviously wasn't like rah on them <laughs> but like <laughs> I was like oh they're interesting <laughs> um, and then they showed me like that the silver bullets they were bringing them back and they hadn't been brought back and I was like oh <gasps> Oh my days! The OG Silver Bullet 97. No way, no way. Oh my God, oh my God. And they were like, chill, dude. <laughs> and so then they saw I was passionate and then I kind of, they were like, we want to keep in touch. Nike do loads of like on the ground stuff of like just floating ideas and seeing what they think people on the streets of London are going to think. Yeah, yeah. So I kind of re- remained a go-to person of like, I didn't do loads, but just what do you think of this? Or yeah, yeah. And then I guess... They're very loyal, Nike. Like once your name's in there, and if you if you're nice and you do well and they like you, then they you kind of work your way through the teams there, and yeah. and I continue to work for them. And yeah, I, I saw some of your stuff online. Um, yeah, some of the jobs that you've done, a lot of the like England kit and all that yeah. kind of stuff. How how's that been like? Insane, like yeah. insane. I still now like. I still have pinch me moments. Like the stuff I've done with them is insane. I love it. Um, football. I've been going to football since I was a kid, so the football stuff I really get a buzz off. Like the the England campaign was insane. Like we went to St, the St George's ground and we were shooting it on the grounds, like with the players. <laughs> like it was insane. Um, and you know all the we did. I did the women's, the juniors, the kids, the men's, the under 17s the main team the Jeez. B team everything yeah, I met yeah. at the time like you know the Abraham brothers that weren't they were like under seven, under 21 team at the time and like yeah. now they're like the fucking biggest players <laughs> it's insane yeah it was great and still like you know the St- I did the Sterling campaign which is to date one of my most favourite things because it was like involved in his history and his community and working with 70 kids and stuff that was just well, insane in yeah. one day those sort of um, those little jobs are super rewarding aren't they yeah like, but like also that was like such a big job in terms it was one of the just do it TV ads yeah, yeah. like I you start to create ridiculous goals once you're working with them because like yeah. originally my goal would have been to style the England kit and that's I feel so grateful I did that and then I was like god I'd love to do like a global thing <laughs> and then and then it happened and Someone's I did nothing just beats to you, mate. Yeah. yeah and I did nothing beats Londoner as, as well that was insane yeah, yeah, yeah. that was like what was that like to work on oh, so much fun Cause yeah cause, I to mean... be fair I, I, I didn't I didn't do the whole thing. Okay. I just, I was really lucky. I got brought in to do bits of the talent that I'd like, I worked with before and stuff. So I did like Haas and the football Still players. Though, like, and I did. Such a wild Yeah, piece. I did gigs in um, the gig scene in Peckham and I went home that day and that was, I cried. Really? I called my mum and I was like, mum, I've just filmed like a global TV advert that then went on to like shake the industry because yes. it was iconic it was amazing, yeah. and it was gigs and we shot it in Peckham and I was like in the van with gigs and, and he was like right you're from overload. Peckham <laughs> is it though and then I was like yes <laughs> and then and then his line in the TV advert was like um what well, he says something about Peckham I can't even think now but yeah. I'm like 
what the fuck? And that was like, yeah, insane. Oh, man. They're so, they're such a great brand to work with and work for. I, I just... think it's really nice the way they kind of like let ideas grow naturally. Because mm. what they've got like a really good grassroots. You just said like they go around and they're super in touch with what people think is cool. Mm. And then they kind of take that raw ideas and sort of direction, mm. find the right people to grow it and then just let them go and yeah. it can just turn into these amazing sort of ideas concepts yeah like fashion like yeah i don't know they're it's, just really engaged like so, they, yeah. they listen to you On like if you've got levels, an idea yeah, yeah or mm. if you're you know no, they're not like oh you're that person and you have to stay in that box like they're really open to like yeah let's throw this person in that box and see what happens yeah or, and as long as you've got like people backing you like we, yeah, well, we've had a really good relationship with Nike over yeah. the years. Like for the last three, three or four years, we've um, I've been doing loads of stuff for them. Like, yeah, I've seen on like your site a few award-winning bits around the Women's Sweet. World Cup and all that kind of stuff. Amazing. Um, but it's always yeah, a really fun bunch. Yeah. Um, super sort of liberal in the way that they approach sort of giving out responsibility and creative mm. direction yeah it's not always i don't know i always get the feeling from larger companies that it was it would quite rarely be like that that you've got a lot mm. of people in there trying to throw their two cents in yeah and, and they're like i i just couldn't believe i was getting those opportunities as like a young not huge fashion stylist i was like nike they must only work with mm. massive agency signed global stylists who yeah. go to like new york and da da and at the time of working with them I wasn't travelling that much and stuff and they give people opportunities like mm-hmm. who aren't that are totally deserved but yeah. aren't like you know top of the game stylist so and I and I and they help create that I guess it's amazing yeah I think there's like a few tiers within the content that they do it's yeah. not all like you know super high roller yeah 10 million pound budget whatever yeah <laughs> um there is a lot of stuff that they produce for social media and yeah. all this kind of stuff that does rely on smaller crews yeah sometimes one man shooters you know usually you know young people with good ideas yeah exactly uh, and it comes it comes across as super authentic Daisy, you seem super... You're bang on it, mate. Like, you're super keen. You're just like... Um, I can see you've just been really useful on set and I can see kind of why you've made the most of your opportunities and stuff. But at what point has things gone really badly wrong? Uh, when, when has Daisy had a bad day? What's your biggest clanger? Oh, God, I can't believe I'm actually telling anyone this, but it was long ago <laughs> enough to kind of unveil it. Um, I did the thing that you don't, that you always have nightmares about. Oh, I didn't wake up for a really big shoot. Um, How big? I mean, it was just like big in terms of we were going to Canberra Sands. Okay. And I had to get from Hoxton to Blackheath. Yeah for a certain time because the bus was going from Blackheath to Canberra Sands for this shoot. Luckily, it was my friend who was producing it. Okay. How I ever got any more work from him, I don't understand. <laughs> but um, it had been the rap party of Nothing Beats the Londoner. So things got wild. The night before. And it was really nice, the Nike team, because I dipped my finger in lots of different parts of that shoot, like it was filmed over a few weeks. Mm-hmm. They were like, oh, come on, you're a big part of it. Like, it's Nike party, but come down. Mm-hmm. So, like, those of the Nike lot were like, come down, even though it was, an, it was just a Nike staff thing. Yeah. And it was the free bar. 
and we and they just they were on one because it was a huge project I was on one I don't remember much of the night it got a bit wild (laughs) and I don't remember going home and I lost my phone and so then I slept through well I didn't have an alarm because I lost my phone just came home just Flopped on the bed. I woke up, like, yeah, like, not even fully in the bed. And my door was wide open. And my friend, my housemate, was like, Days, Emma's ringing me. Why is she ringing me? And I was like, what? And it was like... Uh, I just, just sat, get that, I was sat up. I just fucking, opened my eyes and I was like... Uh... I'd fallen asleep, sat up on my bed. <laughs> <laughs> With the light on. Oh, yeah, the light was on as well. <laughs> You're still fully dressed. Once you (laughs) (laughs) and I was like, (laughs) and again, I had to all the samples were at my studio in Hackney Wick. So then I was like, (gasps) what time is this? This is like nine a.m. and I was meant to get there for nine, so I had to. You're supposed to be in. Maybe it was half nine because they're probably like, where is she? So I needed to go from Hoxton to. Blackheath and um, Hoxton to Hackneywick Hackneywick to Blackheath I was absolutely wasted still <laughs> like 100% of my rocker drunk still like I must have stunk because I didn't even get time to shower oh. and so then I got there but I must have got there like what an hour and a bit late and my mate was like you're right?" and I was like Mm-mm. Uh, and she I was obviously like I never I never do stuff like that ever no. we were on campus sands it was windy <laughs> like it was so intense and then like halfway through the day i'm like oh no oh, I'm, I'm transitioning oh. from pissed to hungover and i'm like there's a couple of times when my friends like do you want me to dig you a hole in the sand you should be sick of it <laughs> i'm like i'm coming up to like our last couple of sections yeah um what kind of stuff have you been working on recently? What kind of ongoing projects have you had? I did creative direction for two artists and one of them is releasing at the moment. So we did a video before lockdown, which was amazing. Like the, my, one of my most favorite videos. It was mm-hmm. so sick and a real banger to go out on <laughs> um, <laughs> in retrospect. Yeah, so that is coming out this week. Um, so we're, I'm doing, you know, schedules and stuff with her. So that's a client I do creative direction for, okay. um, not styling, because mm-hmm. I'm kind of like transitioning into that at the moment. Yeah, yeah. So um, overall creative direction. This is overall. What does yeah. that entail for people who might, you know? For musicians, it can vary, but like it does. It's pretty all-encompassing. So like you come up with the creative for them as an artist for like the project in the next few years. Mm-hmm. You then come up with the creative for the shoots and get the team involved. And then you finesse the like artwork. So getting the designers to bring it all together. You, you know, set it out as like everything is on brand mm-hmm. as such. And then with one of my artists, I oversee her social posts and social media with a social media agency. So like making sure we're aligned, the captions are right, the filters are right, you know, the, the pictures are right. Amazing. Um, and, and then... You quite like that kind of work then? You said you've been gravitating towards yeah, it. Yeah, like, I'm trying to yeah. do that more and less styling. What is it about that that appeals to you? I just love it because like when I was in magazines, that's kind of what I was doing when because i was overseeing a whole section you'd come up with the creative and everything for that and then and and then do it so i was missing more doing more than just styling because i was just styling one or two shoots a month when i was at fhm Mm -hmm. and the rest was all the other ideas and i was just really missing getting 
the, that creative. So it's been I've it's been great. I've worked work with two musicians, and then do like ad hoc shoots as well, and just trying to do less styling, just pick and choose the styling I really want to do and yeah. love because I don't want to yeah fall out of love with it as such course, so course, course. after 10 years of doing it like you you need to change something up and progress in, in some way or no, of course I mean it is the thing that would like strike me as being quite interesting would be going from short form editorial content yeah. which is like plan for the day shoot yeah. on the day yeah you know get it all done in this you know one day's whereas what you're trying to move into now is like this kind of long form management of creativity yeah like have, it's quite it's quite in, like it's a lot yeah because you create this brand for this person that you that can develop and grow with them and they kind of have and to, their music and it's not just like a thing you're making you're like creating a vibe for a person yeah and like, they have to trust mad. you yeah. you spend a lot of time getting to know them like it started out with Ella mm. uh, who I work with because we had been working together styling wise and it was so natural and mm. she found herself in a position between labels and, yeah. and and we just we got on and we vibed and this natural friendship chemistry. had built after a working relationship and the trust was there mm. and then with Bo who I do it for like it was through recommendation but then once we started working together you know we, we had to find our feet but she was like no I trust I trust this girl and I think it is built on that um, mm. and that just comes with proving yourself like on jobs and stuff but with Bo I do I commission her videos as mm. well as creative direct them which is like new to me and I learn I learn with each video on that but like that's insane and I just I love it yeah. so I'm excited for that to come out I'll be working with both Ella and Bo on their new projects Sick. hoping to get some male musicians on board and okay. just do some more ad hoc creative direction shoots and just like slowly yeah, yeah, phase yeah. out some styling okay I'm keen to know what have you learned so far about making music videos because it's oh, a God. bag of cats as yeah. I've found in the past it's, um, uh, it's a bit of a wild world yeah communication uh, is key like don't presume anything so like for Bo's shoots it's all on my shoulders because mm -hmm. she has a funny uh, she has a really amazing deal but no one in the UK mm -hmm. is here from the label so I'm the label in that sense okay. but I'm also managing expectations from people overseas so like don't leave any question unanswered or any stone unturned like mm. if you're thinking it just ask it you have to sort of micromanage sometimes you have to be the big bad wolf yeah. and I think as a, as a young female yeah. that sometimes can get a bit tetchy like you know people don't feel comfortable in that skin sometimes yeah like. uh, yeah and also like the reaction you're met with as well it's like oh sorry I'm just it's just facts like if you're a, I, an older male giving this authority people take it more easily but mm. if I'm younger than you and I'm a woman and you're not a woman yeah then for some for some people that's an issue yeah and it and and knowing when you have to assert your assert your authority so that you're doing what's right for your client and for your mm -hmm. yeah for your job so like I think yeah that would be what I'd learn is just like making sure you communicate and I've recently learned yeah. <laughs> that if you're not working with someone who is with a label for mm. music video wise or music shoot wise yep. to just have your like documentation and your like legal stuff in a row okay. because sometimes people are twats 
and like it can all get really messy and I've only I've learned the hard way recently but like when you don't have a big company backing you and you don't just go to their legal team or their accounts team that like okay, just use so your business head sometimes even yeah, though you just want so to do the lovely protect yourself a little yeah, bit yeah just some like or if you don't just ask someone else for advice or whatever just because I like to just do the airy fairy lovely creative stuff and make that happen but I'm also running a company and well, a business yeah. so I have but some like some people will see that they'll see you throwing yourself in to the creative part and not really taking care of the business and they might decide to, oh maybe we could take advantage of that or maybe yeah. we'll come in and yeah we'll put our rates up a little bit because we know that she can't be bothered to try and yeah you know do business with us in that in that fashion yeah but, it's just making remembering that you are a businesswoman or man and that you and if you don't want to do certain things you ask for help or you delegate or you yeah, yeah. you know you get someone else to do it if you can't do it is this something that you're currently learning like has it has it been a steep curve over the last like couple of years or has it always been something you've been gradually learning no no I, i'm learning the harsh way <laughs> really like currently yeah Fuck, man. yeah it's peak but it's part of life each thing is a learning curve a learning lesson granted an expensive one really? but um that oh, like that's one thing i would wish you don't learn enough about this stuff at school. You don't like, learn tax, anything about this stuff at no, school. No, tax, how to run a business, what being self-employed is, and I just say, like... Tax just, returns. And like... I would happily mentor or, like, not even mentor, but just give advice. Like, yeah. I constantly give my friends who are going from... Life advice. Yeah, like... from employee to freelance or my intern, like, make sure yeah, you yeah. do this, this and this. Really, you could literally put together, like, a one-pager mm. for when you leave school. Right. Bear in mind, like, you've, we've told you all this bollocks. Here's your fucking PDF. Yeah. Uh, there's 20 bullet points on there, all the things that you will use on a weekly basis yeah, that we have legit. not taught you. And um, I- but by the way, you're not going to use your algebra yeah. or your knowledge of Henry VIII, eight wives. No, exactly. Like, uh, the <laughs> curriculum that's a story for another day but <laughs> yeah um, so yeah just don't be afraid to ask the docs is really great they have like um, yes I've heard of the docs questions yeah it's like a, a, a community for like creatives yeah, isn't it yeah but you can ask questions and I'm like a mentor on there okay where like each week you get sent emails and you can pick questions to answer just yeah. randomly and like I would still ask questions if I'm like trying to start a new business like how do I get investments blah, blah, blah. so it's really that site is really good for stuff like that if you've got like professional questions okay nice one how mm. are you taken to mentoring I mean I just click a link every week and answer a question <laughs> but I mean no so you I, haven't really done it like necessarily face to face do you get a lot of assistance do no, you yeah, have I a do. high turnover of that yeah. stuff like yeah no okay. that was that was me being yeah. stupid <laughs> I just click a button that like, was me underselling myself no I no I um, I have an intern who I love so much like I love her so much I have worked with this girl for like a couple of years now she just like started interning with me and then she was doing it while she was studying and still now like she actually lives in Newcastle she has nice. soft spot on my heart for the Geordies <laughs> so like yeah I, I love it and I help where I can yeah. um, and I'm always open to giving advice when I've got the time and there's so many things I wish I could have asked or done when I was starting out if you could open up a little window and talk to the 16 year old Daisy is there anything you change? Sometimes people say that no, there wouldn't be anything because no. uh, you're super happy with the road that you're on now, and that's all part of it. Like I think everything happens for a reason. Big believer in that. 
Definitely. There'd be like some boring stuff of like yeah. start an Excel spreadsheet of everything you earn, <laughs> and don't and like do you know that there's a tax man, babes? <laughs> you don't just get to make money and then just walk away with it. No. Like not that that's what, but like just little things like that, you know, or like just get a good accountant. Don't waste your time with an accountant that doesn't feel right. Okay. But that's just it's. I'm like, oh my god, snooze. You're talking about accountants, but all these things just no, but they make yeah. life so much easier when they're right and they're hard lessons to learn yeah they are and they're long lessons to learn sometimes and maybe like yeah not even yeah Mm -hmm. that would be the only thing Mm -hmm. like the rest I mean I tell her like loads of emotional stuff but you ain't my therapist so (laughs) (laughs) like work wise yeah just be just get an accountant Uh, may lastly, plug any socials. Where can we see any of your new work that's going to be coming out over the next few weeks, or any existing work uh, that's out now that people can check out? Um, on your Instagram on, handle, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, Instagram is at Daisy Dean. Yeah. It's just Daisy like the flower, and Dean like the boy's <laughs> name with an E on the end. Um, the E is very important. People forget that. Um, my website daisydean.com just updated it because Rona. Um, <laughs> And yeah, that's pretty much it. Keep an eye on there. So, and it shall all become clear. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you for joining us. Of course. Um, thanks for having me. Well, hopefully, I get to work with you soon. Yeah, let's, let's shoot. Let's do some stuff in um, the near future. Hopefully. Yes. Well, yeah. Fingers crossed, mate. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Big up. Take you next time. Thanks. That is all we have time for this week on the podcast, guys. But please subscribe to ensure you catch all of our future episodes. You can also follow us on Instagram at family and friends. That's F-M-L-Y and friends, all one word. For news on our new community hub. And please also check out our main page at family creative. That's on Instagram. Or our main website, family-creative.com. We'll catch you next time.